Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It is wonderful to be with you. And as you can see, I'm always joined by my good friend Ann DeSantis here on the Sewing Hope Podcast. So thank you for tuning in and being with us. And we're on part, uh, I believe, eight of the uh, series on the sin. We took a break um, for a couple of weeks, and then we had a guest on. So we're going to finish out this series, this 10-part series, Ann. But uh, I'm excited to be with you and uh, be once again uh, sharing faith here on Sowing Hope. I am too. And even though we've had some breaks in between, uh, I believe we both feel it's important for us to finish this one because the Synod is really a two-year process that started uh, in October of 2021 and it ends next year. And it's this whole awareness of walking with uh, the church in, in, a, in a very uh, universal way that we're coming together to listen to learn and also to take the things that we know that are good about what the church is doing and do them even better and continue to do those, but also look at those areas for improvement and how we can uh, be a better church all the way around. So it's just a joy to be able to discuss this with you, Bill. Oh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, today we're going to be talking uh, about a topic that, you know, n- neither one of us have um you know, a ton of experience with because we're not pastors, <laughs> but um, but we're going to be talking about what uh, makes a good pastor. And I guess that'll be through our eyes, folks. Right. That's going to come through through our experience. Uh, but uh, Ann and I have zero experience being pastors. Uh, you know, we I, <laughs> I worked in a church for a period of time as a youth minister uh, for about 10 years of my professional career. But um, in no way, shape or form was I a pastor. So. Uh, you'll just we just have to uh, hear it through our, you know, our perspective today um, and and our experience working in and around the church. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we're we're in this professionally, have been for a long time. So uh, we're going to we're going to share our thoughts with you. So and any thoughts to kick that off? Well, the first thought is just to give a little bit of a recap again about what the Synod is and who started it. Obviously, most people who who are aware of what's happening in the church is that our Holy Father decided to to bring the Synod about. And the whole idea is to really try to engage those people who have walked away from the church for one reason or another, open those doors up and say, welcome back. You know, we want to listen to you. We want to improve. We want to be there for you. We want to be the field hospital that we're supposed to be, right? And caring about those people that God has given us that that are in our own communities. And, and I think we both know that so many people have walked away from the Catholic Church. And there's all kinds of reasons why that happens. And so the, part of the reason why this synod came about was to uh, bring about kind of a revival, I guess, um, And you can learn more about it by going to synodva, that's synod.va. And it says right on the homepage, let's walk together as a church with the Holy Spirit. And I think the point is, is that 
Um, we're keeping our ears open, our hearts open to what we learn from others. And the church did something called the DMI, that's the Disciple Maker Index uh, survey that went out to Catholics all over the world. And I believe the last time that I read was that uh, I think about a half a million people or so took the survey. And so they learned so much about those areas of where people are exceeding, where the church is exceeding, and where we need to try a little bit harder. And what they learned was that one of the biggest reasons why people feel good or not so good about their parish community is the pastor himself and his leadership. So with that said, Bill, I didn't know if you had any comments on what does it take to be a good pastor in your experience? Uh, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> um, because again, you know, I'm not a pastor, but, um, but as an active member of the, of the Catholic church, I would say, um, the word that I look for, uh, is exactly related to the title pastor and that's being pastoral. Um, now that, that also gets construed, uh, oftentimes by a conservative uh, very, very, very conservative um, portion of the church or even our society uh, as being a bad thing, um, right? But being pastoral uh, simply means, uh, in in my view, to walk with somebody both in truth and in the circumstance of their lives. So th those two things, truth, we're not going to um, water down the beliefs of the Catholic Church. We're not going to uh, make excuses for the truth, um, or or bring things to a level, um, you know, where we begin excusing sin. But that priest also needs to remember that life is messy, and um, quite frankly, the majority of the ministering a priest does is to a lifestyle that they do not possess themselves. So, priests, the majority of Catholic priests, are not married, don't have children, don't understand the stresses and the, um, and the uh, difficulties of life from that, that standpoint. They, they, don't, they don't understand it from that angle. Um, they, they have, many of them have been in good, solid, faithful families. Many of them have understood what it's like to live in a family. But, um, you know, as far as being a father of children and, you know, running around to, um, you know, soccer games and baseball games and, you know, taking them to do different activities and, and things and, uh, you know, caring for children 24-7, they they don't have that experience. Um, and so oftentimes they get, you know, ragged on like, oh, man, you don't you don't know what it's like. Well, we don't know what it's like to be running from sick call to sick call to, um, you know, uh, you know, dicastery meeting to dicastery meeting. You know, you know, we don't you know, meeting with bishops, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, parishioners. And so, you know, there, there, there's two different, you know, types of realities when it comes to, you know, understanding one another a little bit. But I think the word pastoral means, you know, to understand 
and, and, and accompany somebody through the struggles and difficulties in their life and do so in the truth of the faith. And I think the, the, the priests that I have that come to mind for me um, in that are a lot of times my spiritual directors, um, you know, people who uh, will walk with me, who will talk with me, who will, you know, seek to understand my, my way of life, help me discern, discern the difficulties that I'm going through. Uh, and then and then also reveal Christ's love in truth. And, you know, th- th- that's what this means. That's what, um, you know, to me, a good pastor is. And I think that if you can um, do that, I think if you as a priest can do that, walk with somebody through the pain in their life, uh, through the struggles in their life, but then also do so in truth and in love, um, you you will be a great pastor and i think uh you know the the deep friendships that i have with priests um you know spiritual directors and just friends that are priests um are that relationship they are exactly that relationship so um you know i i get it you it, it, you know it's really hard to do that when you've got 3000 you know families in your parish and you know there's a lot of different <laughs> Things pulling you a lot, a lot of different directions. It is a difficult thing out there in the world. But those, those would be uh, my insights, Anne. Yeah, they're good insights because you said two main things I think that I heard was that you obviously, pastors have to be in the truth of the church, right? And we're talking about pastors. I'm thinking of the actual pastor, but of course our parochial vicars and other priests that work uh, in ministry at churches. I mean, they have a big impact too. Um, I think we're just focusing on a pastor because it's that whole top-down idea, right? Just like we have a pope and then the whole universal church and we have bishops and then diocese and archdiocese. We have churches and pastors that are the leaders. And then we have parochial vicars that are also there uh, in leadership, but maybe not quite so much as the actual pastor. Um, there's an organization that I want to refer to as well called the Catholic Leadership Institute. I don't have their website right in front of me, um, but they're a wonderful organization actually located not that far from where I am in the greater Philadelphia area. And they've done a lot of work and research about um, priests and leadership and the whole psychology of it. And, you know, of course, I'm not as quite as well versed as they are, but I would just recommend for people to look up the Catholic Leadership Institute, not only for pastoral leadership, but just overall Catholic leadership. I know that I've learned so much from them. And even for these synod meetings that we were doing through my archdiocese that I was able to attend through my own parish and learn so much. And one of those things that I learned was the impact of a pastor is just enormous. And it is the number one reason, I believe, and and at least from what I was presented through the uh, meetings that I had, uh, as to why people either feel good or not so good about their church community, because the pastor does have such a bearing on that. Um, I pulled up an article that I wanted to refer to, which all of you can look up if you want to follow along. That might be a good resource. It's called The Seven Qualities of a Fruitful Pastor, and it lists seven qualities of mm. pastoral leaders. And I'm just going to read all seven, and then maybe we can kind of back up and talk about each one. But they are being discipled, invested, relational, 
accountable, discerning, surrendered, empowering. So that's just some. And I would just say, you know, look up that article if, if you have a chance. Uh, one of the things I think that is very important with a pastor, uh, you don't always see this in pastoral life, but when a priest has a friendly demeanor toward his parishioners, and as Bill said, staying within the truth, we're not talking about just being this nice, friendly, funny priest, but a priest that also knows and loves his Catholic faith. Um, when those two things can come together, it really, I think it really makes for um, a successful parish. Now, of course, it has to have those other areas that I just discussed, right? There's also areas that such as being discipled, invested, being relational, that's important, as I just said, but also accountable and discerning, surrendered and empowered. Um, so let's just start out. Um, I'll just read one of them. It says discipled is first and foremost, a fruitful pastor leader must be a disciple, one who has an encounter with Jesus and intentionally chooses to follow him in the midst of the church. The discipleship process can be, excuse me, not be understood from the outside. Fruitful pastoral leaders understand the spiritual journey toward discipleship and know how to help others and entrust their lives to Jesus. So, I mean, can you imagine if your pastor wasn't a disciple of Jesus? I mean, unfortunately, it does happen. I hate to say that, but um, yeah. but he's got to be discipled. Yeah. So let's just talk about that, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a really good uh, you know insight too, Anne, because uh, when we when we look at discipleship. Um, you just mentioned it, that some priests, you know, are doing it for status, maybe, or they're doing it, they, you know, they join the priesthood for some, you know, worldly status or some reason other than being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, I, I think um, we want to remember that uh, the words of Pope Francis, too, that a pastor should smell like the sheep, right? Uh, that it should be close to um, the people that he's ministering. And, um, in order to be a disciple of G Jesus, you know, Jesus was close to everyone, you know, that he ministered. He was he was a hands-on person. Um, and so we need to be hands-on in our ministry as well. We can't just, you know, leave, um, you know, all the ministry aspects to somebody else. Um, you know, we've gotten into the we've gotten into the mode of, I think, in the American parish, um, turning it over to people who are youth ministers or DREs or, um, you know, uh, you know, people who are volunteers in marriage prep or, you know, all these different things. And we don't, we don't uh, have the time or pa priests don't have the time to spend walking with um, and being a disciple of, of Christ in these areas, like getting close to, um, Jesus and walking with Jesus means walking with, you know, those along the journey. And so we can't just always pass off the buck to um, our our youth ministers or our uh, other other ministers in the parish. You know, uh, we ourselves have to be disciples and walk with those um, other disciples on the journey. Like, it's so important. That's what Jesus did. He he walked with the apostles every step of the way. But then he went out and he ministered to people and he was a hands on God. He was not. Let me sit back 
and just, you know, you know, let let my apostles do this. No, he healed himself. He, you know, and yeah, his apostles did that, too. Uh, you know, the, the the disciples drove out demons, too. They did all that. That's that's wonderful. But the priest, Jesus, who who is like Jesus, right, in persona Christe, uh, in the sacramental life, he also did those things. <laughs> and you have to remember who the apo- you have to remember who the apostles and disciples did those things under, right? They did it under the name of Jesus. They didn't do it under the name of somebody else. So, um, I you know be be like Jesus means to be a disciple of Him, follow Him, uh, follow in His footsteps in ministry. And you know again, um, this is coming from somebody who's not a pastor and is you know making this uh, probably uh, way too easy to say and and much harder to do. So I I applaud. Um, all the amazing work that, you know, pastors are doing. Yeah, I I do too. And I love how you express that because um, Jesus Christ is the head of the Catholic Church, isn't he? I mean, he's not the founder. I mean, right now, the the head of the Catholic Church on earth is is the the Pope, right? But, uh, But Jesus is the head. He's the head of everything. And so pastors have a lot of responsibility, as you said. And the, mo- the most important responsibility that they have, though, is to being Christ and administering the sacraments in the proper way and in loving people and in caring about their flock and actually doing those corporal and spiritual works of mercy to their flock and teaching others to do the same, right? Because pastors also are helping to engage those parishioners, those people, those followers of Christ to be Christ to others because he can't do everything himself, right? He can't do everything himself. Um, But I just want to go back to that whole idea in the article that I referred to. And the article is at m3catholic.com, seven qualities of a fruitful pastor. Uh, One of those qualities is being relational. Now, I understand not everybody's outgoing. Not everybody has that sort of... uh, engaging personality but it says that a fruitful pastor pastor leaders understand that ultimately their role is to foster their own relationship with jesus as well as the relationship of others with jesus and they create cultures that promote those relationships one of the key ways that they do this is by accompanying others relationally even if the role has a large administration excuse me administrative component they never lose sight of the reality that is all about Jesus and the people they serve. This extends to their colleagues and their staff members. Uh, effective pastoral leaders build a web of authentic relationships and choose to work collaboratively rather than in silos. Um, I would like to build just for a minute, just engage me here for a minute, that I know two pastors who do this very well. Um, and, and and my new pastor at my church, I'm just getting to know, but so far, he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Um, but the, my former pastor, who's no longer with us, um, I would say he is a good pastor in every single sense of the word. Uh, not only was he relational, but he was very good with his office staff, church teaching. He was organized. He knew when he would see me or my family, he'd greet me by name. He remembered things. He was just uh, an overall A-plus of a pastor. Um, And another one of our wonderful Mercedarian pastors that you and I know, Bill, um, which I'm not going to get into any names here, but 
does the same thing, very engaging, uh, knows his church teaching, passes it on, on to others, and really and truly cares about his parishioners to a personal level, but is also able to engage others to be a part of that church community and to make a difference for the entire parish. So I don't know, Bill, if you have any personal examples of what it means in your own life, because I know that those two pastors that I just talked to you about, um, they're real lovers of Christ and they love people too. And when pastors love the people, you can tell. Mm -hmm. And when they don't, you can also tell too, when they don't really want anything to do with the people or when they're short tempered and things like that, where they don't have time, they're just too busy for everything and yeah. too busy to say hello, you know? So, um, I didn't know if you had any words yeah. of wisdom there. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. I, I'm going to give it from the opposite perspective, though. I remember because you okay. gave a great one uh, there. Um, I remember when um, <laughs> I was sitting in a staff <laughs> meeting one time in a, in a parish, and uh, this priest um, was um, named into our parish in, a, in an unfortunate circumstance. And we asked him, you know, what this what this means Um you know, for, from from your perspective, and he just quoted canon law at us. We we're sitting in a staff meeting, and he quoted canon law that a that a uh, you know that I have all the that I have all the faculties and rights of a normal pastor, even though I'm a temporary guy, and blah 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 blah. And I just remember sitting there, feeling so turned off by the way that approach you know happened. Like, okay, yeah, how, how about you're going to minister to the best of your ability and help others no you're just going to quote canon law that says you know i'm here as the you know temporary administrator pastor while this situation gets worked out and i by the way i have all the authority that i need under canon law like it just it, like it just rubbed me the wrong way um and it and it it didn't it just didn't feel good you know sitting in that staff meeting like oh this guy is just going to be here to hold a position but we better not cross him because if we cross him he's gonna you know he's he's got the authority to do whatever we need to do like i, I just i just think you know again being being pastoral and saying hey you know this is a difficult situation you guys have been put in and we i i'm here to help um you know i you know the this is what the bishop has decided you know but that didn't happen. And so it rubbed me the wrong way. It gave me a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and so I would I would just, um, you know, encourage pastors, you know, look, we get it. The the church gets it. I, 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 I think by and large, the church gets it. I know Ann and I are hyper-involved. You know, we're, we're super involved in our parishes. We're super involved in ministry. But I, I would I would venture to say that the the majority of Catholics get get and understand the state of the Catholic Church and its difficulty, and why things are happening the way they are on a you know administrative level, and they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt you know on that they are, but you've still got to be kind, uh, you still have to be um, pastoral, and you still have to say hey, you know I'm here with you, I'm in the trenches with you to your parish staff. Versus a top-down, you know, legislative approach to your to your ministry. Um, so I hope that maybe fills it in a little bit. But yeah, be relational. 
be relational, walk with people. And go to a ball game every, every once in a while. <laughs> go to a ball baseball game with your prisoner every once in a while. You know? Yeah. Well said, Bill. I mean, you know, the, working with the Catholic Church, whether you are a priest, a pastor, a lay person, whoever, it's a human job, right? So I'm going to just say this. If somebody doesn't like people and you don't care really that much about people, just you care more about the rules and the regulations, like Bill just said, um, honestly, I don't think that being involved in any kind of ministry is for you because it is a people job either way. I mean, you can't get around it. You know, it's not just as, as Bill said, knowing your canon law and rules and regulations and just business. You know, when you hear pastors being re, uh, referred to as a good businessman, I get it, you know, or a good business person, whatever you, however you want to word it. Um, and, you know, we know that there's that, money side of everything right there's the financial aspects of everything but um you know it's it's really it should be a small portion of what they do even though we know that it's a lot more than that i have so much empathy for them for all of the work that they have to do administratively but let's face it it is a people job and we're there for the salvation of souls but not just the salvation of souls for our own soul too right I think if we miss that part, we've missed it all because we all are, you know, nobody's there yet. Nobody's in heaven yet. We're all a work in progress. Sin has an effect on every life, even in, in the church, inside and outside of the church, even, pa you know, pastors, priests, religious, parish staff, everybody. So we have to come together in our humanness and we have to get out there in that field hospital that, Pope Francis talk, has talked so much about because it is a field hospital right now. There are so many people that need God and they need their faith and they need to know that they are cared about and loved and that the church cares and we're there for them. Um, so, Bill, I think it's been a wonderful podcast. Um, I think that the topics that we've discussed are very good. Um, I want to just refer that article again just so that people can look it up, the m3catholic.com seven qualities of a fruitful pastor. Um, and again, let me just read them. I, I know I've read them a few times, but disciplined, invested, relational, accountable, discerning, and surrendered and empowering. Just look mm -hmm. it up and read it because I think you'll learn a little bit more just like I did by reading it yeah. about what are those qualities. And, you know, we need to support our pastors and our priests with prayer too, because they're not perfect. And we're not here on this podcast to say they need to be perfect. No. But we are here to say that Bill used the word being kind and being nice and being friendly. I mean, I'm going to say it bluntly. I mean, it is part of the job, right? And it, it is a reason why people leave the church. And when they did the, these, um, you know, the, the surveys for the synod, um, when people don't like their pastor for whatever reason, I mean, it can be a big reason about why people want want to leave. So... We do need to pray about that so that we're welcoming. And as Bill said, we're still following that church teaching and, and all the proper teachings of our church. But we don't want to be reading off canon law like the one priest that Bill was, you know, in, in the meeting that Bill was, was discussing where there was no uh, relational part of that whatsoever. There was nothing friendly about it. There was nothing uh, minister, ministerially about it. Right. So uh, we need to just recognize that.
Bill, thanks so much for everything with this podcast. Oh, absolutely. And I think this is, a, again, it's a beautiful topic. It's a, it's a difficult topic, uh, again, for, I think, you know, to touch on is we're not pastors. Um, but um, hopefully you got a little something from our eyes of being around the church and being involved in the church, uh, working for the church um, like we do. Uh, and, and, you know, again, encourage, you know, I, I just close with this, and I think it's a, uh, you know, maybe good analogy uh, to close with. Uh, you know, you remember when, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, Moses, um, you know, was fighting, fighting the battle, uh, and, you know, and Aaron and her were holding the hands up of, of, of Moses. That's what we have to be. That's what the lady has to be for our priests, right? Uh, we have to be the ones that hold up, you know, our priest's hands so that they can uh, do the great work of God, um, you know, and and help and help us win the battle, uh, and help the church win the battles that they are currently facing. So support your priests, support mm-hmm. them, right? Um, have them over for dinner, um, you know, and even if they tell you they're too busy, twenty five times, invite them on the twenty sixth time because <laughs> they because they may just need that dinner away from the hustle and the bustle um of their of their busy lives um you know they they need the encounter uh with us in in a a non-sacramental environment too um so yeah and uh i appreciate all that you do for this and uh it's a great episode and we'll um you know finish it off tell why don't you tell people what the next couple of topics that we're planning on discussing are if you have i don't know if you have them in front of you i know we were talking yes earlier. i'm pulling them up right now bill we're very human on this podcast <laughs> yes we are we? yes we are <laughs> and, it, and, and it's good though it's a good thing i you know it is so. um the next couple topics are uh episode nine will be outreach to the marginalized at the parish level and number 10 our last one is being an inviting community Oh, beautiful. Uh, and all about this synod, and, and then we'll have our 10 parts. Uh, we also want to just call you to our Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube channel and go to the playlist for the synod and share it with your church community because we, we're doing this whole series to educate people on, on this synod and what we should do to be a more inviting community of faith. Yes, yes. And oh, one more thing, just and since we made the announcement uh, uh, last week on Facebook, we'll make it here, right, uh, that we're going to be doing a, uh, a, a Eucharistic summit as well, right? Uh, and that yes. will be uh, December 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, so go to uh, our website, uh, patchworkheart.org or patchworkheartradio.org. Sign up for the newsletter over there uh, and sign up for the eucharistic summit so uh i i know that that's being blasted all over our facebooks all over social media the sign up form uh so go sign up for it and uh we will uh you know it's all and it's completely free there's no charge um so please sign up Uh, we're gonna have we have amazing speakers already lined up uh that are going to be coming uh to join us for these uh 15 minute talks on these three nights so uh Check it out, and uh, we, we do appreciate you all uh, tuning in. But uh, until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, my name is Bill Snyder, and DeSantis is right there. May God bless you, your families. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too.